Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Have you ever wondered what a health coach does? If you're like me, you may have assumed that a health coach primarily deals with food, nutrition, and eating. I was wrong. Kristen Whitfler, a registered dietitian and health coach, talks about what motivated her to obtain two bachelor's degrees, a master's degree, and an additional certification so that she could help people live their best life. Health coaching, as Kristen put it, is to help you feel your best and is not a one-size-fits-all process. Kristen takes a unique approach and is focused on helping people shift their mindsets when it comes to how they feel about themselves. While diet and nutrition are an essential part of her health coaching practice, it is far from the most critical aspect in how she helps people. Similar to the family office at Tama, which helps families bring together both the emotional and financial pieces of their lives together, Kristen uncovers why people want to change their health rather than only on what they want to change. Peeling back the layers of an individual's unique personality Kristen helps people find a voice to their story, to which she then helps to identify triggers and reframe potentially negative triggers into positive ones. Please enjoy my conversation with Kristen Whipfler. So I think the best place to start is your background, Kristen. And I've heard the term health coach before, but why don't you walk our, our listeners through what exactly is a health coach like what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a health coach is really a certified wellness professional who helps people feel their best through individualized food and lifestyle changes that are designed to meet that person's unique needs and health goals. So, one of the very important aspects of health coaching is that there's not a one size fits all. It's not health isn't just a prescription, right? That you apply to everybody the same thing. Um, Everyone has their own lifestyles, their bodies are different, their needs are different. So the health coach really works with the client to find their unique formula, basically. And I really love combining the health coaching with my dietetics background. Because I think so often people look at food as the direct line to getting healthy. And yes, food is incredibly, incredibly important, but the secret is it's really never about the food. (laughs) So it's always the food, the dietary choices are oftentimes a reflection of what's going on in someone's life. So the health coaching aspect allows me to kind of feel that out. And once we kind of feel out the emotions behind it, the lifestyles, the 
the habits, the rituals, all of that good stuff that makes the nutrition part uh, a lot easier to adjust. So that's kind of my. That is really fascinating because I deal with something similar in the you know wealth planning, financial planning space where people tend to want to separate out the their emotional decisions versus or their personal life from their financial life. And I talk constantly about, no, those, those two are completely related because I think most people think when they hear health coach, they automatically think of food and diet. And what you're saying is, no, there's, there's a lot more underneath those layers. Like you just said, it's not just about food. It's so much more than just food. And one of the, through the course that I took to become a health coach, we focus on primary foods and secondary foods. And the primary foods are really your relationships, your um, professional life, your family life, your environment. Those are the things that really feed you. And then your secondary foods are the actual foods that you eat, right? So when we get our primary foods, um, to the place that we want them to be, that helps the secondary foods just fall into place. So I know that you are a Notre Dame grad, so go Irish. Everybody on the (laughs) podcast knows that I'm a a big Notre Dame fan uh, as well. So how did you end up getting um, involved with like health coaching? Was it when you were undergrad at Notre Dame or did something happen like after the fact, you, you mentioned the certification that you went and got, was that how did that all work with your background? Yeah, that's a great question. It's been kind of a journey for me, actually, because I was one of those people that took a while to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, going into Notre Dame, I was still very open to what I wanted to do. They did not have a nutrition program at Notre Dame. So I was in the more of the history, the liberal arts area. area of. Um, sorry, my Siri keeps clicking on it. Um, the liberal arts part of the university. So it wasn't until after I graduated from Notre Dame that I really started to dive into the health and wellness. And to be honest, so I've always been interested in health. And it was really in Notre Dame where I started to put the connections together about how food impacts our body and how food is medicine. Um, but I didn't have the background to support anything moving forward. So I wanted to do nutrition, but I was terrified of the science and the math. (laughs) So I was like, well, I'll just go get my master's in public health. That seemed a little softer for me. So I did that, but it still didn't quench that thirst of nutrition for me. So I went back to get my RD and then I supplemented that with the health coaching. So it's, it's been a very long um, journey, but it's been so rewarding over time. So with the health coaching, so you went back and got your master's, but then, then you went back and like in, in, in my field, like I am a certified financial planner. So was there a, an additional program that you went through to become a, I don't know if it's called certified health coach. Is that what you end up yeah. going through? So to be a dietitian, I went, I did a whole nother undergrad. Um, and then I had to do, um, uh, um, internship for nine to 12 months. Mine was about 10 months, had to take a board. So that got me my RD. And then I did a, it was a 12 month health coaching program, but I did the express track. So I did 12 months within six months. So, um, 
Those are two, two that's separate a lot. certifications. I, I think that's a, and I'm glad you explained that because I think that's a lot more education than I ever thought that goes into that. And I'm sure most people would as well. I, I, I and I think that's somewhere where people maybe, and I don't know if you've have faced this before when you hear, or when you tell somebody I'm a health coach and they kind of look at you like squirrely and like, well, what does that really mean? Like, is that like some kind of like quack or, or, or what for lack of a better term? Like, but I, I think that I, and, and this is really great for me. And this is why I love having people like you on because I'm, I'm learning and I want to share this information with the families that I work with in our audience, because I go back to the, what you said earlier, you're, you're not focused on that food at first. You're fo- focused on all these other layers of somebody's life, you know, their right. personal decisions, um, you know, what they're focused on. And so I'm sure that's, that, that's all brought out with the training that you've received. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's, there's the entire relationship between a client and a health coach is um, it's a very parallel. So we're, it's not like the, I'm trying to think of how best to explain it. If you go to a doctor, for example, right, you tell them what's wrong and they kind of tell you what to do to fix it. So the health coaching perspective is more we're on an equal plane and we figure it out together because the individual has the answers inside of them. They just need the right questions asked to figure out the next step that will work for them. Um, Because I, I mean, I can give ideas, but I'm not the person, so I can't tell you to do this and expect it to be the right fit for you, but you know what's going to work for your lifestyle and what you're willing to try and what you'd be excited to try. And that's where we just keep implementing different changes over time that will work with you. So we met, I actually heard you on Amber Selking's podcast, and we'll get to your connection with Amber further down in our conversation. But where I would like to go now is at, talk, have you talk about your company, Peach, and yeah. what that stands for? Because most people know what TAMA stands for. It's, it's the name of my family. So if you take the first initial of each of my kids' name and, and my wife's name, Teresa, that's how you get TAMA. So there's Teresa, Aiden, Madison, Mackenzie, and Andrew. You did something pretty unique with, with, with the name of your, your health coaching company, Peach. So why don't you walk us through what PEACH stands for and and what that means to you. Definitely. Well, first of all, I just want to point out, since we were talking before about so many, having so many similarities already, um, my parents named our house, like, I don't know if that's big everywhere, but in Virginia, you kind of name, give your house a name. And they did the same thing that you have done. So we're Mark Krista, which is my mom's name and my brother and my name and my dad's name. So just oh, that's a little cool. aside, <laughs> similar. So Peach, um, it was a really organic creation, actually. I was working with a woman to rebrand my practice because I'd been away raising kids for a little bit. So I kind of wanted a fresh start. And so I was working with her and nothing really seemed to fit. Like I just couldn't find that right name. Um, And so she said, well, throw out some words, shoot me some words that you want your practice to represent, to feel like. So I threw out the words positivity, energetic, active, confident, and healthy. And she said she was working on my project and she was stuck too. So she just put those names up on the whiteboard and the first letter of each word in 
order spelled peach. So it was born. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, how do, how do most people find you? Like, uh, like, do they, obviously we'll link to, to your, your website peach in our show notes, but how do, how does one find a health coach? How does one find somebody like you to work with? And when they first find you, like, what is that relationship like? Is it like back and forth questions, like trying to find like, are you the right fit for me? Am I the right fit for you? It's a great question. So to find a health coach, really, I think for me, it's mostly word of mouth. I don't do a lot of marketing or advertising, a little social media here and there, but it's mostly word of mouth. Um, and I think health coaches throughout the country and the world actually now, um, you know, it, Google's a magical, <laughs> magical thing. And their health coaches, one of the really cool things about health coaches is they, they are specialized in so many different things. And I want to make sure to point that out because some, some health coaches really are more general, really like overall health and food and nutrition. Some are extremely specific. Um, so I have a friend who is a health coach that helps coach clients who have severe food allergies to reincorporate back into. So, I mean, it's, you can get very specific. So if you're looking for someone, please Google it because I'm sure there's one out there. When, so for me, if you work um, with me as a health coach, we set up a 20 to 30 minute call or Zoom and we just kind of chat, getting to know each other, hearing what the goals are, the, um, you know, the reason for the reach out and talking about different ways that we could work together. And then from that point on, we, we set up um, more of a structured schedule and we meet and kind of go through each step along the way. So I guess if you look at this pre-COVID and post-COVID, do, most, do you work mostly with people virtually or were you meeting with people face-to-face before COVID and now it's virtual or how, how, was, how does that work? Um, it was face-to-face before COVID, and now it's all mostly virtual, I should say. I do have a few that are now back in the office, but uh, I think it's been great kind of transitioning to virtual because it just allows a wider um, reach, pretty much, and less driving for people. I, I think it's, even if you're somewhat local, it's convenient that we can just kind of hop on the... So be- because of the virtual... Um ability then do you work with people like across the country like nationwide i do yes okay because that's one question i usually get because i'm based in michigan but most people don't realize that i work with you know families across the country so i i think i work with you know people in nine or ten different states right now so i i was curious if that worked the same way with health coaching because i know with some areas of the medical field, you can only practice in the state that you're licensed in per se. Yeah. So it's a little tricky because as a dietitian, I can only practice in Virginia as a health coach. I can practice nationally. Okay. So, um, that, yeah, kind of opens the door for me there. So we've talked about peach, but I know that you also do work with Amber at Selking Performance. So walk us through what selking performance is in, in the work that you do there with, with Amber. So selking performance is a wonderful, it's, it's tr- Amber's done a really great job in creating this organization. And it's, 
it's really a platform for people to, let me think how to explain it, um, to take them, themselves or their companies to the next level, right? So Amber's created a team of professionals that work with mindset, I'm nutrition. Um, I think there's like physical training type work. Uh, and you can work together as a team or find the individual that you need. And it really will help take you to that next level, whether you're an athlete or you're a corporation looking to kind of step up your, your company's activity. Um, so for me, I, I work on the nutrition side. So I see a lot of people that uh, are just looking to incorporate better nutrition to help them increase their performance. And my my whole thing is performance isn't just on the field, right? Uh, performance is how we perform in life. And we need to be healthy and have our stuff together to be able to, <laughs> to perform every day. So that's kind of in a nutshell. So if I recall, did you, do you still do work for, is it the University of Virginia that, that you were working with in their athletics program? No, I was not. Mm -mm. Okay. So when, how did, how did you and Amber meet? Did you guys, I know Amber's a Notre Dame grad as well. Is that where you guys first met and connected? It, so yes, but not when we were there, we were there at different times. Um, we met, I'm trying to remember, actually, I think a friend of, we we shared a common friend and I think they connected us. And then my dad, who's very involved in the university, met her um, because he was working on the athletic side of things. And he was like, you guys have to meet in person. <laughs> You're just going to be the best of friends. So we finally did. And it's just been fast friendship ever since. She's just amazing. Yeah, she is. Um so coming back to one of the things specifically I wanted to, to kind of dive into about the work that you do is and it kind of dovetails into some of the work that I'm doing about um, behavioral science, if you will. And we all know that we should be eating better. And if it was just knowing that, then it'd be simple. You know, we'd snap our fingers and we'd eat healthier, but we all know that it's not that easy. And one of the books I'm currently reading is actually by Dr. Uh, Judge Brewer, um, under, un Unwinding Anxiety. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work or not. No, but it sounds like I should read it. <laughs> but th the thing that he talks about, and, and I've read this in other books when it comes to forming habits, is this, this trigger behavior reward. Is that something that you work with your you know, clients on when it comes to making better or healthier decisions, not just with, again, food, but also with other aspects of their life? Like how, because motivation will only take you so far. Like how do you really get in to somebody's psyche, if you will, to get them to move the ball forward down the field? Yeah, super question. So what the very first thing we establish when I'm working with someone is the goal. Right. So the goal. So I always say we're working on a ladder. The goal is at the very top of the ladder and you can't jump to the top right of the ladder. You have to climb the steps. But before you can even step onto the ladder, we have to establish what we are working towards. So what I really encourage my clients to do is to identify the what, but more importantly, then to identify the why. 
So for example, the what might be that they want to lose some weight, but the why is because they're afraid they're not going to be healthy enough to live long enough to see their grandkids or the what might be increased muscle mass, but the why is really the confidence that's going to give them going into state finals. So it's that why that is going to sit at the top of the ladder, because as you said, the what really doesn't hold a lot of motivation. Like it can take you so far, but it's really, oftentimes it's not very inspiring and it feels like a should, I should lose weight. I should lower my cholesterol. I should, I should, I should. Whereas the why on the other hand has such a deeper meaning and a feeling. And I think that feeling is really what's going to motivate someone to do the work. So do you, that's really interesting because I share something similar to what I do working with families when it comes to financial planning is, you know, laying out, okay, what do you want to establish your goals to be? You know, how do we go about um, achieving those goals? What are the action items? What are the gaps that we've identified? But then there's the third piece, which is what you laid out, the why. If, If I can get somebody to really buy in and understand why they want this plan, why they want to do these th- these things, either financially or personally, their chances of achieving their plan go up exponentially. And I've got you know eight plus years, almost ten years of of research to back this up. And people look at me kind of strange when I will throw that out to them, like, "What what is your why? Like, why is this important to you?" And it's like, well, because that's my goals. I'm like, no, there it's, it's different. There's a, there's another layer or two to unpack there to get at why this is important to you. Because if you know that, then you're going to be your, your chances of, of achieving it go up exponentially. Exactly. And I always say it's peeling an onion. Just keep asking why until you get to that why that kind of makes your breath stop because we start at a very superficial level. And I don't say that, um, unkindly. It's just, you know, we start with the what and then the why we just have to peel the layers. So why do you want more energy? Why do you want to be able to run with your kids? Why, why, why? So you ask at least five or seven times why, and then you should be at the real why, if that makes sense. So you're exactly right. It's just finding that deeper. So one of the things that you just said too, that kind of struck me is rather than somebody saying I should do this or I should do that. It's that it's a reframing mechanism. And I don't know whether you realize that you do this or not, or can you walk us through like how you work with somebody to reframe? Like I should do this to, I choose to do this because that seems to me very important. Just like I, I don't, I'm forced to save versus I'm choosing to save. Correct. So it's, um, it's really, they have to, they have, their heart has to be in it, right? So that's the first step. If you don't want it with all your heart, you're, it's hard to reframe it and feel authentic. Um, but it really is finding that little piece of motivation that you can reframe. So a very common one is, um, I don't have time to work out, right? So we really talk about how to reframe more of an affirmation. So I am choosing to wake up in the morning because I feel amazing after I wake up, work out early in the morning. So you find what propels you and then you make it more of a positive I am statement. 
And the more that you can repeat that to yourself, it, it actually physically switches the brain, right, to start to believe. I mean, this is a whole nother topic, right, of mindset. And I could talk about this for hours too, but um, it really, it's about being in that mindset to, to do the action and to want to do the action and to choose it. No, I actually, this is, this is perfect topic because I, I'm working on this bigger project that, like I mentioned, it's more behavioral science than it is financial planning, but it gets to the heart of that why. And so mindsets is a, is a very critical aspect to all this. I've read a lot of research. I've read um, Carol Dweck's book. Um, mm. She's amazing. Um, but where, where I'm trying to get to with some of the families that I work with is trying to define you know what enough is. And so that's that's an entire mindset shift. So I'd love for you to, to kind of, I guess, riff on you know, how you go about helping people change their mindset. We talked a little bit about reframing, but are there other things from a mindset standpoint that you're doing or having conversations with, with your clients about? So one of the biggest things that I really like to do with my clients is talk about their story. Um, because everyone has a story that's in their head. So we all have that, you know, that inner critic that loves to poke its head out and tell us we're not good enough. We can't do something. Um, we're not strong enough. We're not capable, you know, and they always seem to pop up at just the right time to stab that confidence and keep you down. Um, so we really work to identify that inner critic to recognize it and recognize that that inner critic is not you. It is a belief that it has just been a thought pattern over and over and over, right? So we work on creating a story. So I have my clients write down their current story. And for example, if someone is seeing me because they would like to lose some weight, their story might look something like, I am overweight. I can't find the motivation to exercise. I, it's all of this string of what is holding them back. And then we take that story and we flip it. And it's the reframing that you were talking about. I am, I am beautiful every day that I wake up. I am strong and I'm committed to exercising. I am worthy of change. I, so we really, we really flip it to um, make it a very positive story because that it's so much more motivating, right? So when we can read the new story, it's going to really shift how we present the um, the situation. That makes sense. Yes. So from from the time that you start working with somebody on this mindset shift, like how how long is that process? Like, is it do you, do people, do you see the light bulb go off in people? I'm sure some people take longer to get there than others, but typically like if you walk us through like what that, that challenge and timeline is like. That, so the timeline, I really feel like it never, it never, you never reach the end, right? We're always going to be working towards finding that mindset because the inner critic doesn't go away. Those limiting beliefs are never going to go away, but it's, it just is practicing 
doing that switch, right? Recognizing that it's the limiting belief talking, not you talking. So for each client, it takes a different amount of time. Some get it right away and they start recognizing it and it it's a little more quick of a progression. Some think it's total woo-woo <laughs> from the get-go. And they're very like hesitant to jump into it with both feet. And they're kind of, you know, whatever lady. But the, the more we can start to make these smaller shifts and approach it in a, maybe a little bit of a different way for them, um, over time, they can start seeing that it works. And it, it really is bringing more of the science in like you're talking about because, yeah. The yeah, that's a that's a really good point because most people. It, it, this has been a really interesting conversation because there's so much overlap, I think, between what you do as a health coach and what I do as a financial planner. Because a lot of people think that when they come in, they sit down, we meet, we go through and create a plan, you know, put it in place, that we're all done, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. That's really like once we have that first plan, that's just step one. Like this, mm-hmm. this goes on, you know, really forever. Cause you think of, you know, legacies and, and, and things that you want to achieve that are a long way down in the, in the future. So this is, to me, this is really a fascinating uh, topic. And one that I talk about with, with my families, you know, extensively. So when, when you're going through this mindset change, if you will, with your clients, they come in and see you they start, you, you see the progress they're making. Do they, what's the relationship like, I guess, long-term? Like, are they checking in with you every, you know, month, six months? Is it a annual checkup kind of, kind of deal? Or are they just checking in with you when they feel like, okay, I'm, I'm falling off the wagon here. I need to pick up the phone and call, call Kristen and have her help <laughs> me get me back on. It's a little bit of both. For some, some people really like to have a scheduled appointment. There's that accountability that they're, they know they're going to be checking in with me, right? So they do like to have either a monthly or, you know, every few months check in. Um, some people really feel like they've gotten their wings and they can fly, but every now and then, you know, life happens. And so they reach back out and we recalibrate and, you know, take it from there. And that's, that's actually, a. it's been a recurring theme uh, with the show since I started it uh, back in October of 2020 is life transitions. And it's something that I talk to people about all the time. And I think it, there's a real underestimation about how many life transitions people actually go through when you think about whether it's changing a job, um, you know, new family, you know, death of a loved one, getting married, just, you know, something happening to, you know, you know, people that are close to you and, you know, forget a a global pandemic that just (laughs) cuts all of us down. (laughs) But that's, I think people really don't give a lot of credence or they have a hard time giving credence to life transitions because most of them, you know, unless you're having a baby are, you know, fairly unexpected. So when, when you look at life transitions, do you see that being a major factor when you're, you're meeting with your clients? Like, is that, is that typically a trigger that brings somebody finally in to, to see you? 
Okay, great. Okay, so yes, a lot of times it is a life transition. As I said, it's oftentimes a diagnosis or a family member has been diagnosed and it's kind of woken them up to that they need to start checking in with themselves. Um, it's, you know, life transitions, as you said, are oftentimes unexpected, but there are some transitions that they're not, you don't necessarily know how they're going to transpire, but you expect them. So like with children, for example, I feel like there are different seasons with children. I'm in a different season with my younger ones than you are with your almost tweens, right? <laughs> um, so, and those parental transitions change everything, right? Like they change your after school activities and, and with those changes comes changes in lifestyle and behaviors and health habits. And a lot of times we just have to shift things around and figure out where to prioritize the person again, because a lot of times I work with people that have taken away their own priority, right? Their kids or their family or their work is a priority. And it's really about helping them fit time back in for themselves. So it is life transitions, but it's oftentimes the just expected transitions that kind of shake the ground a little bit. And yeah. And I think, I think it. you're spot on with that because I work primarily with, you know, working families and we, we're trying to balance all of these multiple priorities, you know, both lifestyle and financial. And I think you hit it on the head where as parents, we're going through, it's like every, it's like football. It's every season is different, <laughs> you know, yeah. and there is a seasonality to everything. And, you know, some, some seasons are more overwhelming than, than others. And I think how you describe that, I think is, is a perfect uh, way to kind of cap you know, this conversation on mindsets. And, you know, I think this is the first of many conversations I, I think, I believe you and I are going to have about this because I think the analogies that you bring in your experience um, are phenomenal. So I'll get to my closing question, which I try to prep people for, because usually it, it, uh, it's a big one, which is what is the best thing about being a parent? Yes. Yeah, so this was a great one to reflect on, I have to admit. Um, and it really is so hard to choose just one. The one that kept coming into my mind, and I will preface this by saying I have younger kids, so I do not have teenagers. And I know I will regret saying this when I have teenagers. But one of my favorite things about being a parent is hearing what my kids say, right? So um, they... Uh, I mean, everyday life just happens, but then they come out with these zingers, right? They're <laughs> hilarious or they're incredibly profound. And you're just, wow. <laughs> I mean, and it just keeps life so exciting, just so energetic, so joyful. So I think just the spontaneity of their thoughts and their figuring things out and sharing that and not having any inhibition about sharing what they're thinking, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that is one of the best things that I've, I mean, it's just one of the more fun things that I've experienced. So that, that is a, that is a, 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 an awesome answer, trick of answer. And, and that's the, that's a joy about having this show and, and asking that question at the very end, because you know, every I've, I've recorded 30 plus shows now and every person's answer to that question has been different. 
and unique. And I never get tired of asking that question and getting people's responses. So it's, it's amazing. So Kristen, will, what's the best way for people to, if they want to learn more about Peach, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, thanks. My, um, my uh, website is peach-strong.com. And I'm on Instagram as Peach Strong Wellness. Um, so those are, that's where you can find me. Okay. Well, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes um, to, to Peach, your website. And uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast, Kristen. Thank you. It's been such a joy. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.